0: Hi there, and welcome to uh, an episode of something that is not help sample drops. Um, As you may have seen in the title, uh, this isn't a little bit different. sean and i uh, weren't able to get an episode of it this week uh we're a little bit we're a little bit busy uh, our schedules don't always line up so i just thought i'd use this time to try something a little bit different um this may be a one-off or it may keep going depending on what the response is like but um sean isn't here this week uh, it's just gonna be me talking um about a show i watched and i've i am drinking a beer just because it would be against the spirit of the podcast otherwise uh this is i'm drinking a military organic which is um, I'm not sure if you get them outside of Canada, maybe. Um, I think they just got bought by a major brewery. <laughs> um, it's a gorgeous, I mean, it's a light beer, which we don't talk about a lot in this program, but, excuse me, it's a. Um, it's only like 4.2% or something, but it is just gorgeous. It's like uh, on oh, a nice summer's day or even now in the winter, it is a, Just if you just want to take it easy, smooth, maybe if you're playing drinking games and you want to drink a lot, it's uh, something It's a good option for that, especially if you're, uh, playing Royal Rumble drinking games or something. I know if you take too high percentage of beer, you can get knocked out of the game pretty quickly. So it's a good option for that. So today, um, I I saw this thing recently. Um, since since New Japan kind of been blowing up uh, since Wrestle Kingdom eleven, everyone's. I I don't know how long it's going to last, but it really did seem like it, it really caught people's attention. It did last year too with the AJ Styles Nakamura match, and then the big. Um, the big heist of the four wrestlers, Nakamura, Styles, and Gallows and Anderson coming to WWE, it did, that did trigger a lot of interest in New Japan. But I think um, this year's Wrestle Kingdom event, and we covered that match between Omega and Okada, um, that really drove a lot of interest, I think, to New Japan. And someone asked Dave Meltzer on Twitter, "What's a good spot to start watching New Japan for someone who's relatively inexperienced with the product. And he suggested... Uh, Wrestle Kingdom 7 would be be a good place to start for a new viewer. And I mean, when I started watching in Japan, I just started with what was on right now. Like I I watched Invasion Attack uh, 2015, and I didn't really keep up with the product totally all year. I I watched a handful of of matches here and there. I think this year, ever since Wrestle Kingdom, which is so good, I'm going to try and watch every pay-per-view this year. I watched the two new beginning shows, um, which were both excellent. Or they had excellent uh, top cards. I mean, the lower cards were pretty weak, but... Those are the kind of shows you'd expect that. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Um, so I thought what an interesting the idea would be to to actually get fully caught up in this background because I mean I I do my best and I um, you know I'm a pretty internet heavy guy so I'm always reading about all of these these wrestlers I'm watching and I, I I pick it up pretty quick but nothing really matches just going back and watching all those shows and all those matches that these wrestlers have had. And how the company's developed and how the storylines have developed over, well, from Wrestle Kingdom 7, that's four years. So my idea as it stands right now is I'd be, I'm going to try watching a, um, a New Japan show every week and put, talking about it for you guys and, and maybe giving you some highlights or whether or not I think you should check that show out. And and yeah, so if, if you want to go on this journey with me, all you have to do is um, every week go to New Japan World, um, starting with Wrestle Kingdom 7 and watch chronologically um, from then to now, one a week, um, or just listen to the podcast. Um, with these these episodes will not conflict with Hops and drops. Drops. Um, those will still be coming out as often as we can, hopefully once a week, but we're going to try and work out a more consistent schedule because we haven't been hitting that goal as often as we'd like. But these, these will probably come out once every week and maybe sometimes we'll take a week off here and there because um, the hop, the main uh, show will be more of a priority when, when me and Sean, when our schedules line up. But anyway, that's a bit of an introduction to what, what I'm doing here today. And I think I'll just just get right into the matches there. Um, so this show uh, was January 4th, um, 2013. So that's, geez, Louise, four years ago. Um, there were two pre-show matches that I didn't watch. Uh, and so the show started off with an eight-man eight tag team match. Um, so you have the team. And, like, I didn't know most of these guys, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, you've got... Takashi Iizuka, who, yeah, no clue. Uh, Toriyano, who's now a comedy guy, who's actually, he's one of the, half of the tag team champions or the IWGP tag, heavyweight tag team champions with uh, Tomorrow Ishii. Um, he's not even a comedy guy yet. As far as I could tell, he's just a guy. Yujiro Takahashi, whose gimmick is that he's a pimp. Um, an American named Bob Sapp. Um, and then they were against. Uh, Manabu Nakanishi, who um, nowadays is uh, kind of not moving as well as he used to be. and uh, But back then here, he's – I mean, he's still not great. But he's hes moving a little bit better. He's able to do his strongman stuff more effectively. Um, another guy I didn't really know, Akibono, who like – I was blown away by this guy. He's just such a like, – he's really fat, basically. He looks, he looks round. He looks like a ball. But I found out, of course, and I think this – May, some of you may pick on up on this right away. He's a former sumo wrestler, which really explains his his look. But he wasn't dressed up like it at all. He was wearing athletic, uh, tight fitting athletic wear, let's say, and it was not very flattering. Uh, and then fourth, uh, MVP of all people, the former WWE wrestler, he was also there. Um, they just had a little tag team match. Honestly, it wasn't wasn't much to write home about. They um, they brawled from the very beginning of the match. They really got in got on it with each other um you know before the bell even rang um there were a few spots that where they were following the rules more or less but the whole thing was pretty much just a brawl and there were a lot of big uh, heavyweight spots because a lot of these guys were big and slow i mean apart from mvp and toriano and i guess uh your pimp character um all of them were pretty they weren't super mobile guys they were big strong guys and so you got to have um Uh, Nakanishi doing his strongman stuff he did a a double suplex on Yano and uh, Takahashi he he did his big uh, he managed to lift up oh who was it it must have been um, Bob Sapp or one of the other just really big guys he got him off on his shoulders which is very very impressive he's a huge guy to lift Um, Akibono and I'm guessing Sapp but I'm not sure this I didn't like I said I don't know most of these guys by name Um, they got into a, a shoulder block contest and just like they couldn't move each other. These two big, heavy guys. Eventually the match ended when um, uh, all of Chaos, the the team with the, the two smaller guys, Yano and and Ejiro, all, all four of them got stacked in the corner and they got rammed into by the entire other team. And eventually there was a pin. Um, wasn't much to this match. Uh, I thought it was a fun little thing. Um, I'm also going to be comparing what I thought to what um, Dave Meltzer thought in places where different opinions, just because, um, not because Meltzer's opinion is inherently superior to everyone else's, but just because Meltzer, I think is a pretty good, um, he doesn't always agree with what everyone thinks, but he's a pretty good idea of the channel consensus at the time. And because I'm coming at this four years later and without the context of of, um, what had led up to that, because I I don't know a lot ton about, The history of new japan on the minute level i know like the very very broad strokes but uh, dave obviously has been following the had been following the product for this point you know every year since forever so um just seeing what he thought of these matches uh is really gonna be very helpful i think and so I I thought this match was like, yeah, it was fine. And Dave thought it was pretty crap. So, you know, there you go. It wasn't, it wasn't a huge difference. Uh, he may have been expecting more out of it or just was kind of sick of some of these guys, which is fair enough. If you see them do these big strongman moves over and over again. They're not as impressive enough to really hold up over a long period of time. So uh, next up. So the first uh, title match of the show, the never open weight title, match. there was never open weight title match between a, champion masato tanaka defending against shelton benjamin yes that's right the shelton benjamin uh masato tanaka see recently i believe he's on excursion to cmll at the moment i saw him come back for fantastic mania he um was not moving away around super great uh at fantastic mania this year in 2017 and he's not that much better four years ago i mean he's perfectly serviceable but he's not uh not anything to write home about, uh, Sheldon Benjamin, as always freak athlete, um, good, very good wrestler. He, um, the story of this match more or less was the wily veteran who's, who's, um, you know, doing every dirty trick in the book to keep the title against the incredibly athletically gifted and maybe even just talented wrestler. Um, but who just maybe doesn't have what it takes to get over the hump. And he wrestled a very short match. It was only about six minutes. Um, Shelton Benjamin of course the legendary W not legendary I mean that's a bit much but WWE wrestler who had some great spots I uh, look up I think it was the first ever money in the bank match he does this spot where he they have a ladder um bent or uh, not bent but like propped sideways across the ring maybe into a corner when I mean, he runs up it and jumps off and does a crazy spot so that was a uh, that was a heck of a heck of a thing and you know what he doesn't get much time to work here but he got some great spots in. it was a really good transition to an ankle lock at one point he um towards the end of the match he he has the ankle lock in um and then the uh, the pimp character again takahashi goes up to interfere he gets up on the top rope benjamin drops the ankle lock to go up and grab him He german suplexes him off the top and like gorgeous, brutal-looking suplex, but um, it's not going to that opportunity to... Even when is it like a shoulder block, running... It was a weird finisher, but it finished him off. Shelton Benjamin lost the match. Uh, like I said, short six-minute affair. Nothing nothing amazing, um, but it was fine. Um, Dave thought it was a little better than I did, but I think it may be... Again, it's one of those things that's like uh, it just didn't do too much for me. Um, so let's see. Now we're on to the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Title Match. Um, so there isn't actually a Junior Heavyweight or Junior Tag Team Title Match on this show at all. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so I don't really know what to uh, to make it that, except that um, it just they weren't those those belts weren't considered important enough to be on the show at all. Um, but the Heavyweight Tag Team Belt is very interesting um you have the killer elite squad who just returned to new japan uh as part of suzuki gun and they were part of suzuki gun at this time davy boy smith jr and lance archer they had an amazing entrance on motorcycles wearing these like really nasty looking masks where they had like one guy to cross over his face it's really really good um and they were accompanied by uh tako mishinoku of uh early wwe fame uh he was there in the 90s and that part of that um their, I guess it was their light heavyweight division or whatever they called it. And then their cruiserweight division, he was had some good matches in ECW as well. Um, so they defended their championships against, uh, Hiroki Goto, uh, current never openweight champion and Carl Anderson, uh, machine gun Carl Anderson, who is now in, uh, WWE with his partner, Luke Gallows. This is a pre-bullet club Carl Anderson. Uh, that's, that point's going to come another couple times, um, we to someone else who's who's a prominent member of Bullet Club a few years down the road. Um this was a this was a very fun match. Um basically, more or less, is that you know, Haru- Goto and Anderson are underdog baby faces that everyone like, you know, the the crowd's really behind them and they hate the killer lead squad. The killer squad are just too big and bad and dangerous, and they just like beat the crap out of Goto and Anderson. And occasionally you go to Anderson and hit a giant move and they get all this flurry of offense, they'd be doing really good, and then they just get beat down again. Um, I don't really remember there being any or much interference from Mishinoku. It could have happened. I just don't remember. But at the end of the day, I the way this was booked, it really did make a killer elite squad um, just seem superior to go to an Anderson. And at the end of the day, like, you know, they're big, big guys. Um, and I think in their tag team division, at least, uh, New Japan does tend to go with, like, big, heavy guys who hit hard Um. And Gordon Anderson, I don't think, had been a tag team for very long, and they wouldn't be a tag team much after that. So, it would have been, I think, I mean, history would have played out very differently, I guess, if they had become a tag team. Or maybe it wouldn't have. I don't know. Um, uh, I thought that match was pretty all right. Um, Meltzer gave it 3.5. I think I gave it uh, 3.75 or something similar to that. Um, It's perfectly all right. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go out of your way to find it. I'm sure that all the people involved have had better matches. But if you're going to watch this show and you were wanted to watch most of it, um, it's not, I wouldn't necessarily say skip it. You know, it's, it's, it's probably in the, it's, well, I guess it's like the fifth or sixth best match on the show, depending. Yeah. Um, next up is actually a great, great match. Minoru Suzuki versus Yuji Nagata. Suzuki, of course, leader of Suzuki gun just returned to new Japan in modern day. Um, in, in January, just an amazing title match with Kazuchika Okada uh, about mm, a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, um, that everyone's been talking about. It. So, if you're paying attention to New Japan, I'm sure you know all about it. Yuji Nagata uh, is a former. We talked about him. If you've listened to our episode on uh, Shibata and the Japanese dads, uh, he was the best of the Japanese dads. He's a former, like fourth longest reigning IWGP heavyweight champion of all time. He, um, he he's a proponent of strong style. He hits hard. He takes hard hits tough guy and um this match was rocking you know i i loved it. it it started uh before i guess before i even get into the match i really want to talk about Suzuki's entrance was amazing they he they had a live uh band there to perform his theme song they had this older japanese woman singing uh, i'm assuming she's the woman that originally recorded his theme song maybe she's famous in japan i don't really know but the performance is awesome. It's on YouTube. Look it up if you if you can. Uh, Minoru Suzuki entrance uh, Wrestle Kingdom Seven. I remember actually it had been shared on Reddit not that long ago, and it's just funny that this I happened to watch this so soon after having seen it on Reddit. It's um, it's pretty spectacular. Um, so yeah, Suzuki versus Nagata. Uh, yeah, they start off hitting hard. Lots of strong style offense. Um, it was just really really good. Um, Nagata manages to knock Suzuki down to the outside when Suzuki's trying to go for a submission over the ropes uh, Nagata beats him up outside for a little bit and Suzuki distracts the ref and Taichi uh, everyone's least favorite junior heavyweight and member of Suzuki gun comes in and beats the shit out of um, Nagata with a chair uh, when the ref is escorting Taichi away Suzuki grabs the chair and first presses it down on Nagata's throat and then um, gets a uh, Nagata's uh, head inside the the leg part of the chair and just yanks back so that it's choking him. Uh, that was pretty nuts. All in all, this was just a um, this is a pretty brutal spot, honestly. Um, and they they use this to sell a count out uh, with Suzuki getting back in the ring and Nagata lying out. And Nagata managed to make it back in. Um, they do a bunch of submission stuff with uh, Suzuki nagata um just you know he he manages to get a strong cell offense back they do this really great spot where Suzuki goes for a pile driver and nagata he, he can't quite get nagata up nagata powers out nagata ends up hitting his his finish and pinning him uh, i'm sure i sold that a little too short um but it, it's a long one of the longer matches on the show it's it's really worth watching. I really recommend it. It's it's I'd say one of the, easily one of the four best matches of the night, maybe even third best match of the night. So like, yeah, if you're gonna watch just four, this would definitely be one of them. Um, I I absolutely love this match. Uh, next up, we have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title. Uh, it's in the argument for best match of the night. This is a three way match uh, or a, a triple threat, as we call it in WWE. In In New Japan, I guess it's a three-way dance. Um, Prince Devitt, your champion, current Finn Balor, uh, hopefully returning soon for WrestleMania. Uh, Pre-Bullet Club Prince Devitt, as we know, uh, shortly after this, I'm not sure how soon after he forms Bullet Club. But Prince Devitt defends his junior heavyweight title against Kota Ibushi, the Golden Star. And uh, Low Key, who I had not seen wrestle before, but I'd heard of because of his... um, his extensive indie career in all sorts of parts of the world. Um, in this match, he's dressed up as Agent Forty Seven, the main character from Hit the Hitman series, which is it's bizarre. He's wrestling in a full suit uh, with a red tie and black gloves, and it's it's very uh, odd to see. But you know, it he made it work, and his he the way he wrestled was almost like a hitman. I don't I'm assuming that's his normal style, it just happened to fit the character, but it was it was pretty impressive. Um, I do recommend this match. It's going to, there's not a lot I can do to really, um, go through it bit by bit because it's a, it's a complicated match. Um, you know, with three guys, there's always so much going on. All three of these guys are incredibly acrobatic. Uh, it was a really fast paced match, a lot of big spots. Um, think of like your big ring of honor matches or a PWG match is the kind of thing you're looking at. Um, it, it or even those those intercontinental title ladder matches at wrestlemania not i mean obviously no ladders so it's not quite like that but that's the style and all three of these guys really really um blew i mean i'm not gonna say they blew the rest of the entire show away because there are two other matches that were definitely of the same caliber and and i mean the um the Suzuki and Nagata match, another match I'm going to talk about, were both very good too. I would say this is a head head and shoulders above those two. Um, but the the two the final two matches of the show are on the same level as this one, if not better. Um, but yeah, this was really good. I think the one spot if I was going to give you one, um, it's a bit. Uh, man, Kota Ibushi hits this insane top rope moonsault to the outside, nails both guys, lands on his feet, and just walks up, back up the ramp, like doesn't even stop his motion and just like, it's it's so cool, so casual. Uh, so that's something I'd give you from that match. And then towards the end, they do that classic like dozens of near falls, like they hit him with everything, everybody kicks out of everything. Eventually, um, Prince Devitt does pick up the win uh, with a big double foot stomp on Kota Ibushi. Um, Yeah, heck of a match. And if, yeah, if you're going to watch a couple again this is one i would heavily recommend this is a great great match next up we have a um tag team match between um hiroshi tenzen and satoshi kojima one of the old guys kajimoto and shinjiri otani the really old guys (laughs) this is a match that i found incredibly boring and not interesting and the reason straight up is just that i do not have much of an appreciation for the history of Japanese wrestling. And that's, I know like, you know, that makes me the bad guy, but at the end of the day, like I, I, I didn't know who these guys were like Mudo and Otani. I haven't looked up their ages. They look like they're at least fifties, maybe in sixties. I mean, they weren't moving terribly for how old they were, but like it was kind of rough out there, especially at the level of, of performance we just saw from the junior heavyweight match. Um, I mean, Tenzen and Kojima, um, the real problem is that Tenzen and Kojima were just getting the shit kicked out of him for most of the match by these two incredibly old dudes. And I just, it, you know, I, I get it. And I, the fans were into it. And I think that's like Meltzer gave this Serena quarter, which, you know, is like a perfectly OK match. And I think he did that mostly because it really, really worked in the arena. I think all of these fans that were watching uh, absolutely loved um, this guy, Keiji Mudo, who's I'm assuming the same person, the great Muda, but don't. I'm sure I could be wrong on that. And then Shinjiro Otani, who I don't know as well, but, uh, seemed to be well received by the crowd. Uh, the crowd was really into these guys getting a lot of offense in. And, and so they did. And I mean, they didn't win the match. Tenzin and Kojima, uh, let's see. It was a, a big, uh, lariat from Kojima. And then Tenzin got his, his, uh, uh what was it? It was like a knee drop or something. He nailed him anyway. Uh, and they they won the match so i can't complain too much but i found this match to be just uh very very uh kind of dull and like kind of a little you know eh, like when the really old guys are beating up the like the in fact Tenzan and kojima are vets at this point like Tenzan and kojima are not spring chickens themselves so for like guys in their guys in their 50s be beating up guys in their late 30s or early 40s is is uh a bit much for me i don't know but uh, that match was uh, only the low part of this, the second half of the show. I mean, of the last, let's see here, six matches, it's by far the worst uh, in, by anyone's standards. And the rest of the other five matches are all uh, lights out. It's like after, after that tag match, we had uh, Katsuyori Shibata, one of my favorite wrestlers. We deported a whole episode of the podcast in his uh, Wrestle Kingdom debut, or at the very least, his Wrestle Kingdom debut after taking years off to do MMA. Uh, and shoot style wrestling, uh, Kazuya Shibata versus Togi Makabe. Um, you know, uh, obviously Shibata now is uh, has had a long run as NEVER Openweight Champion last year, and then he he's currently the Rev Pro Champion. He just had a great match with Will Ospreay at uh, New Beginnings about a week or two ago. Togi Makabe had a long run as tag team champs with uh, his partner Hanma. Uh, uh, they won the World Tag League together in December or November, whenever that was, most recent one anyway. And at this time, I think he was more of a uh, like a solid single star, not necessarily a top-level guy, but a guy that could have top-level matches, and uh, could, beating him made you a top-level star, or at least that's what uh, Meltzer said in his review of this match. So that's the kind of level of match, right? I mean, it's third from the top of the biggest show of the year, so I think it tells you the level that both of these guys are seen at. Uh, and this was a hell of a match they came out there and they just started beating the shit out of each other and like wham 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 arms 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 uh shibata took control early he knocked down makabe a couple times and it was like did the like oh get up get up and then like he would get up and he'd knock him down get up knock him down and like makabe's doing the finger wag like you know like oh you think you beat me you haven't beat me yet oh they go to the outside at some point makabe gets a table he rams the table into shibata he sets up the table power bombs shibata through the table they get back um, inside the ring. Shibata gets a choke hold, um, he goes, he, which he uses to set up his PK kick, or his penalty kick, I guess it's called. A P penalty kick kick. P, his P-kick. <laughs> his penalty kick, um, he, But um, which he he drops the guy out of the choke hold. He sits him down. He bounces off the ropes and kicks him in the head, basically, when they're sitting down. But... Um, makabe uh fell over and so he couldn't hit them where he wanted to but he like got him up went to kick him makabe grabbed the leg there was some sort of transition like makabe tried to do a move and it got countered into a sleeper and makabe countered that sleeper into just an absolutely fucking bananas clothesline like it looked like it just knocked him out it was ridiculous and then that got and then, uh, Makabe hit his diving knee finish, which I think is called the King Kong knee drop or something like that. And uh, Makabe got the pin one, two, three. So I'm interested to see going forward if this is, gets if this gets ends up in a rematch. If this gets resolved at some point because I know at this point in in 2017, Shibata is a major single star, not actually top of the card, but higher probably higher in the mid card. And he's the kind of guy that um, if he doesn't blow the doors off of the g1 they really have to have a reason why like last year he was suffering from an injury this year he may well win the g1 who knows uh we'll have to see but um macabre is not macabre is in a tag team and um they're not even the tag champs although they have they have had good runs with the tag champs but they're not always they're not like an incredibly dominant tag team so um yeah, I'll be interested to see if they if they just let this end like this, or if they um, have Shibata get his win back from Akabe in Shibata's ascent up the card. Next up, we got the IWGP Intercontinental Title match. Everyone's favorite former NXT champion Shinsuke Nakamura defending his IWGP Intercontinental Title against Kazushi Sakuraba or Sakuraba. I'm not sure. Um, I'll tell you what. Like I did not know this Kazushi Sakuraba guy. I did a little research into it. And it's him and shibata were both signed from um japanese hero uh oh i'm so bad uh oh man i'm not gonna remember his name I, they, they were signed from a note the enoki genome federation uh when they the owner of new japan got this crazy idea in his head that he was gonna do an invasion angle with um enoki's like shoot style i don't even know if it's like actually mma or like mma or wrestling that resemb- closely resembles MMA. I'm not sure if they're work fights or shoot fights or what, but Inoki in the mid-2000s got obsessed with shoot fighting and obsessed with MMA. And um, the commissioner of New Japan, or the, not the commissioner, the owner of New Japan, Kidani, really wanted to bring in these, these shoot-style guys and wanted to do an invasion angle because of that. And um, he even signed um, Katsuyoshi Shibata and this gentleman, uh, Kazushi Sakuraba or Sakuraba, without um, even telling his bookers he was doing it, um, Gato and Jado. So that's an interesting story. And um, generally what Meltzer thought was that um, Shibata should win, which he didn't, but it didn't end up hurting him in the long run, I don't think. And Sakuraba should lose because Shibata is so young and he has this long future ahead of him, whereas Sakuraba um, is a lot older. And and that he is. He's, he's, He's really funny seeing this guy across from Nakamura who is... In, in fairness is a big guy he's he's like 6'2 6'3 but he's not in gigantic he's not Brock Lesnar he's not the big show and this uh, Kazushi Sakuraba clearly smaller not as as muscular not as tall um he looked like fra- old and frail almost but he is a legit MMA fighter and this was a match unlike anything I've ever seen and I know there have been um MMA style wrestling matches before um I'd have to I'm sure there have been other matches like this before. I just hadn't seen one. And this was awesome. Cause this was like an MMA fight. This was like watching M- a worked MMA fight inside. Well, I mean, obviously it's work, but it, w- it was, it was, it was, it worked like an MMA fight and it, but it was just inside a wrestling ring. And occasionally they would do wrestling moves and like, there was a lot of stuff in this match. like they started off with all of like it was all grappling and it was all like trying to get the other guy to the ground for a while nakamura was even fighting off his back like you do see in MMA from time to time um there was a crazy spot where nakamura like lunged for his for for sakuraba's leg and he just fucking nailed him i think he kneed him or kicked him just got him right in the face it must have been his knee and and Nakamura looked like he could have been cold out cold for real. Like it was mental. It was absolutely bananas. And like I think they were trying to make like they were checking for knockout kind of thing. And there were like like obviously tons of submission holds, but they were like real looking submission holds. Like a lot of elbow, uh, like arm arm twisted behind the back stuff. A lot of uh, there was triangle choke a few times. Like yeah, it was absolutely worked like an MMA fight and. Um, Nakamura eventually just like got enough offense in and managed to hit his, uh, what we call it, the Kinshasa now it was called the bon knee then, uh, and nailed him in the face and managed to get him for the three and, and Sakuraba kicked out at 3.1 to kind of retain, get his cred back. But it was a hell of a match. It was not especially long. It was kind of short, but you know, it's an MMA fight. So it doesn't need to be long. Or I mean, it wasn't you know what I mean? It, that was the style they were working. So, uh, in that case that it was really, really good um yeah this is unlike anything i've ever seen i really really enjoyed it um i don't i don't wouldn't know if you want to do an entire show match an entire show of matches like this or even like you know you want to keep them like once a year at most like have it as a really weird thing to see once in a while um you know i don't know if if It'd be interesting to see someone doing that all the time, more or less. I don't know how well it would work. I think it might get where the, the deathmatch thing, right? Where you overdo it too much and nobody really cares about it anymore. But who knows? Um, you know, I might be wrong. In either case, uh, they had a nice little hand raise over the, after, after the bell. Um, you know, it made both guys look good, I think. Nakamura retained the belt and uh, i think that worked out in the long run because i mean nakamura although nakamura did eventually leave he's a big star and i don't even know i don't know what sakura is doing at the moment uh, he's not in new japan in any case um so that brings us to our main event uh, a very young kazuchika okada uh, challenging hiroshi tanahashi for the iwg heavyweight title and so i didn't know this when i watched it but i uh, I looked it up, and Okada had already been the champion. He had won the champion earlier that won the championship earlier in 2012 at some point. Completely untested, out of the blue, like shocking a lot of people. Tanahashi won it back. They had all sorts of matches, and Okada won the G1. And so, leading up to Wrestle Kingdom, from uh, whenever G1 happens, like July or August, to through to January, you'd have uh, Tanahashi defending the title, and Okada defending his briefcase, which apparently is the first time they did the G1 briefcase, which. I guess the G one was just for bragging rights before. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I could be misquoting here. I thought that was what I read on Meltzer's uh, review, but this was. I mean, this is a prototypical heavyweight title match, and I don't mean that as an insult. This was really, really good. It started off slow. It built gradually. Lots of uh, towards the end, you start getting more big moves. Get really good emotional spots, like this, like it's a crazy spot where Okada drags Tanahashi like three quarters of the way up the entrance ramp and goes for a tombstone pile driver. Which uh, Tanahashi counters out of into a sling blade. And then, like, Tanahashi runs back to the ring to break the count and then runs back out to Okada and drags him into the ring, starts setting him up for big move after big move. Okada kicked out of Tanahashi's finesse. Um, Okada was never able to hit the Rainmaker, although he called for it uh, once or twice. I believe at least once. Uh, Tanahashi did kill her to the pile driver, though, I believe. Um, or. No, actually, that's wrong. Uh, Okada hit the pile driver, which used to set the Rainmaker, but he didn't get the Rainmaker off. Tanahashi countered. Um, and uh, Tanahashi ended up defeating Okada with a combination of. Um, he hit a Tombstone pile driver, and then he hit a frog sp- or uh, a crossbody off the top rope. Then he hit his. Uh, high Fly Flow? Man, his finish has such a weird name. It's a Frog Splash, anyway. Um, the interesting thing is that even though Tanahashi was the ace for like an entire decade more or less, by the time I really got to New Japan, he was not at the top of the card anymore because I came in right after he had his wrestling 10 match against Okada, which was the best match that they loved last year to many people. But I didn't see that match. I'm going to watch it eventually. Um... But, uh, I, Tonohashi, and I didn't see his G1 matches, although I do know he lost a lot of them, but he had a nice, like, uh, 60 minute draw against Okada or whatever it was, a 40 minute draw. Anyway, uh, he had, a he's had some great matches since I started watching. I just haven't seen them at the moment. He's mostly been doing the trios tag stuff. Oh, although actually that's true. I saw his great match against Omega, this year's Wrestle Kingdom. That was, or not Omega. I'm out of it. Uh, Naito, his great match against Naito at this year's Wrestle Kingdom. That was, that was a great match. Um... But yeah, it was really great to see this when Tanahashi was definitively the ace and definitively on top. And we didn't have Okada as more or less already, which like by the time I even started to watch my first New Japan match, um, Okada had already beaten Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. And those of you that don't know or or don't know about this. um, So what I watched was the first of three consecutive Wrestle Kingdom main events between Okada and Tanahashi. And they tell this incredible three year story. Of Okada being the young hotshot and and winning the title, but losing it to Tanahashi and facing Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom three times. The first time he gets beaten, uh, he has a good showing, but he's beaten pretty soundly. I think the second one he does really really good, but he can't quite do it, and Tanahashi beats him again. And in between this, he's beating Tanahashi at other shows, but not at, at Wrestle Kingdom. And finally, in the third one, which maybe this will be where I end, although presumably I'll keep this going until I get caught up in real time, although I'll still be watching in real time. So, But maybe I'll end it at Wrestle Kingdom 10. I think that would be very fitting as because I'll be started with this, this Tanahashi Okada story. And that's where it finishes when Okada is finally able to beat Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom, the biggest show of the year, and uh, solidify himself as the true ace of the company. But anyway, yeah, that was Wrestle Kingdom 7. Uh, it was a heck of a show. The main event, um, although I know the Okada-Tanahashi matches, people go on and on about how how great they are. And this was a great match, but it didn't steal the... And, like, completely, dominantly... It wasn't automatically the best match on the show, as I know maybe the second one or the third one are. I'll have to go when I see those. I know people thought the third one was the best match of the year um, by a large margin. And, like, uh, I don't think... um, Like... It was definitively the best show in Wrestle Kingdom that year, I think for sure in, in 2016. So um, this year it was not. I think the Nakamura match. Um, I had I had the Nakamura match and the Tanahashi Okada match ranked about the same. I had the Junior Heavyweight title match a little bit below that, although you could easily argue it as as better than the other two. Um, and then and then the other two, the two strong style matches, the the uh, Suzuki Nagata match and the um Shibata uh Makabe match. Those those were both great as well, although I had them a little bit lower. Um, those five matches though, all five, excellent. You you know, you've heard my opinions on them by now. This is really great. And this is a great way to start um doing this new Japan thing. So uh next week, uh, hopefully I'll be back with another episode of this show. Um, if I get a regular air date, I'm not I'm not sure when I'm gonna be releasing them. Hopefully, I'll get a steady day of the week to do it on. I'll let you know about that. Um as I keep going, I'll be able to um, get into the stories a little bit more as, because right now I'm kind of coming in cold. I didn't do a huge amount of research on what the story was going forward. The idea is that as I watch these pay-per-views week by week, um, I'll be able to get, I'll know what the stories are, and I'll be telling these stories, uh, these stories that took place over, you know, months and years. Uh, I'll be able to tell you week to week, and I think it'll be really compelling. Um, here's what I do now. In 2012, I, um, the reason Tanahashi did not go to the finals of G1 is that he lost to Carl Anderson. Carl Anderson here who teamed with Hiroki Goto and lost in the tag team title match. In um, his speech, although I don't speak Japanese, it was translated for me by a uh, past former Dave, uh, Dave Meltzer from the past, said that uh, Tanahashi called out Carl Anderson that he would like to uh, avenge his title loss at the next pay-per-view, which is a new beginning. Uh, New Beginning uh, 2013, because New Beginning 2017 just happened, so don't confuse those two. Um, but yeah, so because of that, we know that's the storyline for main event, the main event of uh, New Beginning, the next pay per view, New Beginning 2013. Um, we'll be watching next week. Carl uh, Anderson versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Tanahashi looking to avenge the man, uh, his loss to Carl Anderson, the man who kept him out of the finals the G One, um, and with the man that lost to okada to give okada the wrestle kingdom main event yeah so uh i hope you enjoyed this show uh as always you can follow us on at hops and drops on twitter um we're hops and elbow drops on facebook hops and elbow drops on soundcloud all these places you can uh like us subscribe to us follow us all those good stuff um you will get updates from new episodes both from our regular show which hopefully we'll be getting out week to week um and uh, this new show and maybe even some other new shows we have lots of little ideas and i want to try a bunch of different things and i want to see how you guys feel about them so yeah if you if you like this or didn't like it you know uh drop me a line uh at, at twitter is the best place to get a hold of us but on facebook as well those are all uh, very good options remember um to rate and reviews on iTunes, it's a very, very big deal for us. Um, it really, really uh, helps get our names out there. Um, yeah, so that's all. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. It's a little bit different, a uh, new thing we're trying. Thank you so much, and I will see you very soon. Love you so much. Bye bye.